Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast uh, here on CBS Sports. I'm Chip Patterson. That's Barton Simmons. And Barton, I, I didn't even give a chance to uh, inform you of, of where I'm at right now, but uh, we are coming live from the Alabama Coaches Box in Levi Stadium. And <laughs> it might not surprise you to know that this place emptied out very quickly. And it's the only place in the press box where I was going to be able to get uh, the ability to, to really let my voice uh, let, let my voice reach loud volume. So how you doing, man? Game, literally, the game just ended, what, an hour ago, I guess? This feels very instant uh, reaction. Yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, we're, we're, um, uh, we're, we're recording soon. You're, you're on site, and we're recording soon enough to where I don't have to totally whisper uh, to, you know, to, to, to not to keep the, fa- the family and the household up. Um, but we are... Uh, wow. We got a, we got a new, new, uh, new bully on the block. It looks like. Yeah. I, I think that in a, in a bit of, um, hyperbole and prisoner of the moment, I think that things have changed forever. I think that because not only the way that Clemson won going on a 30 to 0 run, pitching a second half shutout. Uh, Oh, by the way, if you didn't know that the score is 44, 16, that was what the final was. This game was 16, 14 at one point. But the way the game played out and who led the charge with the who being Trevor F. Lawrence, uh, I just I think that while Clemson and Alabama have had success on the field over the last four years that has been equal, they have both won 55 games over the last four years. We have looked at these two programs as being maybe a half-step difference, maybe a full-step difference with Alabama ahead. But I think things have changed forever because – Clemson has now elevated itself. I mean, they are the the er, way too early Vegas odds have Clemson, not Alabama, listed as the title favorite for next year. Is that out that you've already seen that? Yep. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, I think, um, first of all, tip of the cap, you pick Clemson to win. Mm-hmm. So, pat, 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 on, the, pat on the back there. Um, I, here's here's my initial, and we, we can break these down individually and dig into them. But I think, what, well, I'll, I'll just start with this one. Look, one of my big takeaways from the game was Clemson looked like they outcoached Alabama. Uh, in particular, Brent Venables had a game plan that was really good. Um, you know, AJ Terrell, his pick six, like, that, you know, that, that was a trap coverage. He he saw it like he, when you watched it on replay. Like he knew what was coming. His eyes were in the right place. Uh, um, that was they were coached up on that. Um, you know they they were getting Tua confused. They were I think Tua we saw Tua that you know he's been so instinctive in the way he tries to make big plays and Clemson was prepared to capitalize when he took one of those chances and, and they did it a couple different times. Um, I think, you know, it, offensively, they had a great game plan. Um, I think we saw in this game, 
the difference between a team that has had continuity in the coaching staff, mm. have really good coaches that have been there for a while, that, that have a great game plan. Whereas, look at Alabama. They got all these new coaches this year. Their offensive coordinator was just a you know, promotion from within. Uh, and, and, and Mike Locksley, their defensive coordinator, was Tosh LePoy, uh, promotion from within. And that's not to say those guys didn't do a good job this year. Mike Locksley got the Brewers Award. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't Kirby Smart. You know, it wasn't Jeremy Pruitt. It wasn't, they weren't guys like a Brent Venables that's been there in that role as one of the best in the game for years. Uh, and and I, I, I felt like in this game, and there's a lot of other things we're going to, we can get to and look at, but I thought that was one area where sort of the culture of Clemson and, you know, Nick Saban's turning over assistance every other year, but the culture of Clemson sort of won out with, with, you know, their co-offensive coordinators that have been balling out for the past three years, four years. And, uh, Venables, uh, who, who just had a killer game. Plan. Oh my gosh. And, and so he, we, he knew that he was going to be aggressive. We knew he was going to be aggressive. It's Brent Venables. Like when is he not, he, he's not one to just, uh, feel like he's going to be just dropping seven in coverage every single time and, and let him beat you. He, he put, he challenged Trayvon Mullen, the, the defensive player of the game in this game. He challenged AJ Terrell, who, like you mentioned, stepped up i mean heck charlotte in season mark fields gets called into the game when uh trayvon mullen gets a little crampy and hammy has to come out of the game mark fields has two two pass breakups it was uh i'll 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 throw this do you do you believe that this might have been a game or a result that was almost inevitable because of assistant coach and coordinator turnover that even extends beyond last year and has just been you know, constant. You mentioned Kirby Smart. You mentioned Jeremy Pruitt. We could go all the way back to Lane and, you know, the Steve Sarkeesian experiment between that. Um, is, is this something where it is when you're competing against the best programs in college football, it's really, really hard in games like this uh, to, to, not, to be able to always have with new faces changing over every year, the same kinds of results. I mean, was it inevitable in the, in the sense that at some point it was going to bite him? Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I just and particularly this year, um, with all the ter- I mean, and, and and look, he he revamped his staff to address recruiting too, and that's that that's work. They're killing it in recruiting. Um, but I just think when you're you know, it's the gift and the curse of of Alabama. You can sort of you sprinkle the Saban dust on the guys and they get head jobs every year. And it's not Nick Saban's fault. I do think there is a, a little bit of a shelf life of working for Nick Saban. He kind of grinds guys up and I'm not sure anyone can work with them as long as they do for Dabo. But, uh, yeah, I think that turnover is, was, was bound to catch him eventually. And this has just happened to catch him in a year where they had a really good team. And look, they could have won this game. There was it was 16-14. This thing was like very much looking like it was going to go back and forth. It was 14-13 with Alabama had the ball on the 1-yard line and then they got a false start penalty and uh, had to settle for a field goal. And it was things like that. You know, what they had four four uh, trips to the red zone and only one touchdown out of it. Um two you know, one r- ridiculous fake field goal. Um one 
fourth down, missed uh, one field goal and one touchdown. And it's like, uh, that's, you know, I mean, if, if that could go differently um, and, and they could, you know, I, when you look at just the pure numbers, like it's, it, the game wasn't that lopsided. Uh, it was just Alabama couldn't, they couldn't stop Clemson on th- third down. And they weren't making those plays on the other side of the ball. I mean, they were moving the football. They just couldn't finish drives the way Clemson was. The Nick Saban actually said in the postgame press conference, uh, he he was almost defensive of his team's performance. He and I don't. And it's interesting because yeah. we don't have a lot of Nick Saban press conferences after games like this. And he he said, right. if you look at the yards, if you look at the box score, you know. We did a lot. We just didn't do the small things, and that and that makes all the difference in the world. I, I do you. Have, what else did you have on your list? Okay. Well, so I also thought this, and and this is this is what I wish I had tapped into, um, in in picking the winner of this game. I mean, I picked Killams in the cover, so I, I expected it to be close. But this is where I think you were on the right track in picking them to win. There, to me, was. And, and look, maybe I'm maybe I'm sort of concocting this, but and tell me if you agree with this. But I it looked like to me, it felt like to me, that Clemson had a uh, desperation or a purpose in this game that Alabama didn't quite have. Like Alabama was a bunch of guys that you know a lot of the a lot of the key characters uh, in this Alabama team won it last year as freshmen. And, you know, hey, this is just another opportunity. This was a Clemson team where guys turned down millions of dollars mm-hmm. to come back. And this was, this, was a, this was a season of purpose all year long. And, you know, they, they, they're going to be damned if they're going to come in this game and, and, and not be ready. And I just think they looked more – it looked, looked like it meant more to them. And, I look, there's – it's not like Alabama wasn't motivated to win a national championship, but I just felt like Clemson had a a, a, a real purpose to their approach, and, and I think they looked like they wanted it more, for lack of a better word. And, and even if – and look, I watched Alabama last week in the Orange Bowl. We did. And their their defensive line in the second half really got worn down. Um, I think we saw that a lot tonight again, and, and whether that's just being tired or whether that's just them kind of not – necessarily doing that well playing from 28 down in the same way that Oklahoma did when they were 28 down. Uh, they were, they were standing straight up in the second half and not really pursuing with a lot of enthusiasm. And, and, uh, you know, I I thought that that was startling that like, it just looked like Clemson wanted it more. I, I, I think you're, you're very spot on in terms of the difference of the demeanor, and that's something that I've sensed from being around both of these teams side by side over the last four days. And it, and, and I, I don't want, um, I don't, I don't want to judge the competitiveness of the Alabama team because I do think that Nick Saban has instilled that competitiveness and that uh, desire to utterly dominate your opponent every single time you go out there. But yeah, it, like, Alabama's kind of like an AAU team. Right, and uh, and Clemson's like the actual high school right. state championship team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It, it had that feel a little bit. Yeah, that's a good. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, obviously, yeah, I, I do think it just, right or wrong, it kind of had that vibe. Oh, yeah, no, we go on a lot of trips. Why? Because we're all five stars who've been the top 100 players in every single class. And this is just another trip. We're going to go out and show our stuff, and we dominate because we try to dominate every day. And Austin Bryant is has tears in his eyes as he's talking to us on CBS sports HQ talking about what it meant for this senior class and the final moment that he was going to spend with his brothers. They just were not going to, they, they were not going to turn in anything but their best performance. And Alabama did not meet them with that desire or that urgency. Yeah. I think at the end of the game, you're kind of looking back in, in hindsight and you're like, well, shoot, these guys weren't going to be denied. Like, they no, just weren't. No. um i all right go ahead i i'm I'm, i gotta talk about trevor because you've been you've been on him i mean and you've known about him and this is uh such and i'm probably i am reacting a little bit to factors that are outside of even the realm of the individual performance because of how many it was a huge breakout game for him you you do it and the rest of the world is going to catch on. Like Trevor Lawrence's life is just like, he was probably going to reach uh, that kind of superstar status, but he's there right now uh, because he was on it and he was making crazy throws and Justin Ross was making insane catches. And Dabo Sweeney said, we're going to enjoy this tonight, but Friday we're starting on next year. And he did not say that after they won in Tampa. I think he said that, because everyone, all the Clemson fans that stuck around, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we know what's coming back next year, and we know what that team can do, too. Did you hear uh, Trevor's post-game interview with Maria Taylor? I think it was with Maria Taylor. Oh, no. There was, uh, such a, there, no way I was getting in that uh, huddle. Right, right, right. I figured you hadn't, but he said uh, they, um, they asked him, or she asked him something to the effect of, you know, how many more championships you plan on winning here? And he said, uh, three more, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if Trevor's, uh, uh, I got a feeling that'll, that'll change once he gets two more in there, uh, because he'll, he'll be NFL bound. He could be the first pick this year. I think he'd probably be the first pick if he's out this year. I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, Trevor was unbelievable. And a couple things that I think struck me with him, like, first of all, when when Tua came out and when Jake Fromm came out, I even tweeted they had two, they're two of the best pl- prospects I've ever seen in terms of intangibles, uh, and it, and it meant that the intangibles sort of meant something different for each of them, but for both of them it was just this aura around them that you couldn't, you know, Tua was this sort of magnetic personality, a, a confidence uh, that was just you know, contagious for from, it was this unbelievable leadership quality, comfort in his own skin, maturity. Um, and Trevor, when he walks in a room, you don't, it's not, he, it, it's not quite the same as those guys. Like he's much more understated. Um, he's, he's, he doesn't have the same sort of just sort of man, magnetic presence, but what's unique about him is he has, tremendous perspective and he's played he's been a starter in high school at a big time program since he was a freshman he has played in the biggest moments at every stage of his career 
and he's so even keel. And I just think, forget, you know, the arm talent and the ability is all unbelievable, but I think his just sort of, I mean, when they won, when they won tonight, the post-game interview, like it was like his heart wasn't beating fast. Like it was, he was, it was, his, his blood pressure was right where it needed to be. You know, <laughs> there, there was no, I mean, he looks like he's ready to line up and, you know, he expected to win and let's go, all right, now let's start working on next year. Um, and that's a phenomenal quality to have. I also think that, that, that what I'm amazed at is, because I kind of talked about in our pregame run-up, you know, what, if he runs around and Mac Brown, uh, Mac Jones goes in and pops him and uh, could he get hurt? He's, he looked sturdy and mm-hmm. strong and he ran physically. And when, even when he got hit, it, I was impressed just sort of the balance and body control he had to absorb blows after making throws and stay up. Like he rarely hit the ground except when he was like an actual runner with the football. Um, And so all those things are what have really sort of taken him over the top for me because the arm talent I knew was there and, and his productivity I knew was there. And he's, he's sort of checking these other boxes now. Uh, It's just, I mean, it's, it's scary how good this guy could be. Well, I mean, the, you said that he has championship potential. The championship potential has already been realized here on Monday night. The what are going to be the challenges for uh, for Clemson sustaining that success? I, th- I mean, what's you know, it's the same challenges for anyone. I think in sustaining success and just like the you know, not getting complacent. I mean, right. Nick Saban's the king of making sure that teams don't get complacent. But um, I mean, yeah, it's it's. I mean, the good news for for Clemson is Alabama is going to keep being really good. Ohio State's going to keep being really good. Georgia's going to keep being really good. There's going to be plenty of teams that are going to be capable. Oklahoma. So it's not like they they you know they still got to bring their A game. And uh, but man, it's it's going to be. And I, like the other thing that was startling to me, I mean, Trevor Lawrence aside, it, at times it looked like in the skill position. Uh, Clemson's guys were just better. Like they just were running by Alabama guys, making plays. Alabama because I mean the, the Alabama DBs at times looked like they just what more could they do? These guys are just better than them, bigger, better throws. What we talked about uh, was it this game we talked about it? Uh, you know, a great uh, maybe it went with us, uh, but at one point, you know, I, I was saying, look. A, Perfect, perfect offense beats perfect defense. Oh yes, you know? yes, yes, yes. Uh, and and there was a couple of those, like Josh Job, on that one one-handed throw to Justin Ross. Josh, the Job was all over him. Like it was great coverage. It was just put in a perfect place. The dude stabbed it with one hand. Uh, so what are you gonna do? You have a six-five receiver stabbing a over-the-shoulder throw with one hand. What are you gonna do? So it's it's man. I mean they got. Travis Etienne's back next year. Uh, Justin Ross, T. Higgins. T. Higgins and Amari Rogers. They're all back. Amari Rogers. They get, I was just at the All American Bowl where two more 6 3 receivers uh, are signed with Clemson. Four star top 100 guys. They'll, they'll add them to the fold Frank Ladson and Joe Nada. Um, so, I mean, the, the skill position is going to be insane. I mean, I well, I, I haven't really looked at their their offensive line depth chart. I know there was Mitch Hyatt. I'm not sure how many of those other guys are seniors, but um, offensive skill is is going to be stupid. 
a little bit more on this game coming up right after this. Welcome to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast. Do me a favor and blink, please. Did you blink? That's how fast the Major League Baseball season went in 2020. The postseason is already upon us. Whether it's baseball news, you want NFL, college football, water polo, chess, movies. If there's a story, we'll have it covered every weekday, five days a week. Just subscribe and download on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever else you find your podcasts. No BS, no soft tosses, no hot takes. You know, it's always business. It's nothing personal. So I thought that Clemson's offensive staff, Jeff Scott, Tony Elliott, um, I think they deserve a lot of credit for neutralizing Quinn and Williams. I was watching for number 92 all night, and I felt like he was getting double teamed 50 to 75% of the time. And, you know, they, they run it with Trevor, um, like you mentioned. They utilize Travis Etienne and Tavian Feaster in the passing game. They're spreading it out. Wide receivers are making plays. This Alabama defense was it, – it was one that got as low as number 15 in the country in total defense, kind of crept its way back up as they rounded into form, as Quentin Williams really emerged as one of the top defensive linemen in the entire country. I just – I was really, really impressed with uh, a Clemson offense that, to me – to me, a lot of their beatdowns almost felt like uh, the Michigan beatdowns, where there's like, oh, yeah, you had better dudes, so you hit a bunch of home run balls. But this was just uh, from a scheming and execution standpoint. I feel like uh, I, f- I feel like they knew exactly how they were going to be able to get it going. If if Alabama did do what I think you know we thought they might be able to do, which is just shut down the power run game, the power run game that made Travis Etienne the leading rusher in the ACC and the ACC Offensive Player of the Year. He had I mean he had a bunch of touchdowns in this game, but I don't think that he was dominant on a down to down basis. And they they were ready to uh, to utilize Trevor Lawrence and fully unleash him in this game. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think we saw like that was our concern with, with Alabama all year until the very end was all right. This is an Alabama team with offensive firepower and and an offensive balance we've never seen a quarterback better than Nick Saban's ever had. But if there's an Achilles heel with this team, it's not Nick Saban's best defense. They're not deep. A defensive line they you know they don't go six deep they go three or four deep uh they're young in the secondary um and their linebackers are good but they're they're not uh Rashad Evans and, and Reuben Foster um and they started to kind of answer those questions late in the year but I don't know if they just sort of got you know got put on you know on on skates or, or started backpedaling from that Oklahoma game or whether it's just still in their, their their psyche but this looked like the Alabama defense early in the year that you know we were concerned gave up 31 points to Arkansas you know we were Ooh, in the Missouri had, game too yeah kept chipping yeah, away we had at our them. doubts you know um and I I don't know you know I don't know what to make of that I don't know I don't know whether that what that means um, whether this was just that that good of a Clemson team, or whether this is really a, an Alabama defense that was always uh, relatively flawed. So, what's next for Alabama? What? How much fallout 
do you think comes from this in terms of what you are going to be, the steps that you're willing to take in terms of what this means for the Crimson Tide, uh, either big picture or even just next season with the 2019 coming up? I don't, what, what, what do you think? Like, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not concerned. Like I, I saw who tweeted this. Um, someone tweeted that they had a uh, text from a power five defensive coordinator that the legacy, like the, this is the end of a legacy or like it's during the game. It was like this, this feels like the end of a legacy or something or end of a, whatever the phrase was. Um, I don't see the hat. Like what? This is just, again, this was a team on a mission in Clemson. Alabama is going to be, they might be the best team in the country next year. Right. Um, I mean, the best recruit, the second best recruiting class of all time are sophomores at this school. And they've now played in two straight national championship games, one, one, and they'll probably play in a third next year. I'm not like, I'm not really worried about Alabama. I think they'll be fine. I, what, where are you at? Do you have a, do you have any level of concern here? No, none at all. Probably okay. Prop might pick Alabama to win the national championship next year. Far right. more, they, far they more might, concerned. They're going to come into this, <laughs> yeah, they're, yes. they're come into the season with the same sort of conviction and motivation now that Clemson had going into this season. Yes, yes, no, no, no concern whatsoever. Um, you know, like people. People are gonna forget that there were uh, there were people trying to bury this in 2013, 2014. They lose the kick six. The uh, Oklahoma blows them out in the Sugar Bowl. And, you know this is coming off the tail end of the the Johnny Manziel win. And then in 2014, Ohio State comes and stuns them in the college football playoff semifinal. And, and then what happens? They they win it in 2015 and 2017. I, I'm I am not at all ready to take a step in saying that this is the beginning of the end. I do think that it was a missed opportunity if we're going to talk about Nick Saban and his personal legacy and the number of championships he's going to finish with. I think that this is not a it is it is it's not a no show performance like the Oklahoma loss. But I think the result was as stunning as that Oklahoma loss because of the the talent that we had seen on the field, and they won. I think it was they went twelve and zero in the regular season, won the twelve games by an average of twenty points per game. The dominance of this Alabama team does not match the performance here. But I'm I kind of feel like uh, if we imagine ten different ways that this game plays out, and someone introduces this, we figure that that happens one out of the ten time. Like this was the this was one of the outliers of the potential game. And so, so many breaks went Clemson's way. I don't, again, I do not want to discredit what Clemson did because a lot of the reasons that we've, uh, you know, given them, given them praise for their determination goes right into how you end up on the right side of some good bounces and, and out executing. I mean, two turnovers on downs forced by the defense down in the red zone. You mentioned one in one touchdown and four trips to the red zone, like all that stuff to me comes down to the purpose, the urgency, the determination. But I mean, there were some, you know, there were just some bounces like tipped passes that would still end up in, in players hands. And it, it just, it was one of those nights where I, I mean, even early on, I was just like, man, everything's going Clemson's way right now. This this just might be happening. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's. Uh, I mean, I I would probably 
wager that if they played ten times, Clemson probably wins six. Uh, and among those six, one of them is this. And and the um, other five are not this kind of result. Right, right. The other five are really close games, three point wins, one point win. Maybe you get one to ten points. Um, I think I think of the ten games, only one of them is is Clemson wins by twenty eight. Uh, and you know, in the four games Alabama w- would win in that ten, maybe one of them is twenty two. But uh, but no, I just you're right. I mean, this game was this wasn't a, a team that was out overmatched. It was just a team that beat. You know, another team. And I think there that 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 focus felt like it was more it was there for Clemson. So, um, so I, I what I'm interested in seeing is just sort of, I mean, Nick Saban is how does he react to this? Right. Like, what is the reactionary measures he takes? Does he does this staff do heads roll on the staff? Um, does is he going to sort of reassess how he's looking at the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator positions? Uh, does he? Uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, or, or maybe, or maybe to to your point of this game wasn't as you know this game could have. I'm going to end up defending Alabama. Yeah, like I'm, I feel like I'm by the end of the week of like radio hits and all that. I'm gonna I'm gonna end up as an Alabama defender. Because I, I I did the you know the CBS Sports HQ hit and they were hyped up and there was there was a real there, there was a narrative already out there based on what I can sense here from the last I guess hour and a half two hours that some people are really trying to like bury Saban for it and I don't think the game represented like her, you're right they did get out coached and they got outplayed but I don't think this. I, I'm reminded of uh, Virginia basketball coach Tony Bennett told me in October that to go from winning the ACC tournament and being the number one overall seed and being 34 and two, you know, it was it was it was the highest of highs, and then to to lose to UMBC to be the first ever number one seed to lose to a 16 that was the lowest of lows, and to go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows in the matter of about six days sort of shook his world and really drove home the idea that it it's all pretty temporary. And I think that Nick Saban already views success and championships as being so temporary that there will be, um, there will be impacts based on the lessons that he's learned, but I don't think heads are going to roll. And I don't think there's going to be any major readjustment to the, the way that the offense is set up or the way that the defense is set up. I think that this is just going to be uh, a result that certainly as a competitor is going to hang with them, but I don't think there's any big-time changes for Alabama. Again, I go back to what he just said in the press conference. He's sitting there with the box score in front of him. He's like, no, we played all right. We just didn't do what we needed to do. And I think that if you yeah. are able to compartmentalize like that and just keep it moving – I mean that's probably one of the strengths of Nick Saban, and I I think that they're going to continue to uh, to try and drive home the same standard that they have that's led to the all of the other wins and championships. Well, when when do we see angry Nick Saban? We see it after wins or when they're killing someone at halftime because uh, he's trying to keep his team focused and and properly motivated. We see understated positive Saban. In a lot of cases, like after 
a half when they're down or after a loss because it's not time to panic. We might see a Saban that doesn't panic because, you know what, that was a good team that we just, you know, just just had our number that night and, and we're, we're not – you know we're we're still we're still in good shape here. So, but it, I, it will be interesting. I mean, I can't imagine that's going to be like a pleasant office to be around for the spring. I, I would think that would be a pretty intense place to be as they try to uh, lick the wounds and 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 dress the wounds from this this loss. Mm. Um, anything else, Stan? Anything else on the notebook? Um, I don't think so. What do, you, what do you What do you got? Anything else from from boots on the ground? Um, let me see. Final stats: twenty for thirty-two, three hundred forty-seven yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Sick. Um. So can can I can I say this? So uh, somebody tweeted at me. I think it might have been like a Miami fan or something. Um, and they were like, is there, Barton, please tell me there's another Trevor Lawrence in the 2020 class uh, implying like they needed to go get him. And I said, yeah, maybe there is, but Clemson happens to lead for him right now. <laughs> there's a kid named DJ Wongalele out of California. That's He's not Trevor Lawrence from a, from a no doubt standpoint, but from a, from a talent standpoint, he's one of the most talented we've seen. Huge kid with a 70-yard arm. Um, and he's from California, and Clemson is probably the leader right now. So there could be a deal where they pass that torch down after Trevor Lawrence wins a couple of national titles and gives it to DJ Wangalele. So Clemson, if you think this is sort of the, you know, we've, we've hit some sort of perfect storm and Clemson's riding some wave that's about to crash, like this ain't going anywhere. Clemson's here. I think it. I think that it's going to be really, really hard to replace some of that defense. But, but, and this is the, maybe the maybe the one thing that I, I haven't touched on that I want to make sure stood out. Um, do you remember? I don't remember. Do you remember Niles Pinkney as a recruit? Yeah, three. So four star guy a, from a, South four Carolina. Star kid. Yeah, but not yeah, he. Yeah. Four he won. He won a top three hundred guy. Yeah, he was. He was okay. Yeah, I think. Um, uh, I mean, let's let's. I'll I'll pull him up, but I'm, I'm almost positive that he was. I feel. Uh, but he was. He's a redshirt he, sophomore. He's number forty-four, and he was one of the players that got called into a lot more duty because Dexter Lawrence was out, and he had a couple of huge plays, including just being all over the fake field goal. We didn't even talk about a fake field goal where they sent the kicker in as the lead blocker for the holder. And they said they were t- the, the quotes after the game have been like, um, that they, even if they were in a, pun- a, a field goal safe, that they could still run it. And I think the kicker or holder, or somebody said, we'd do it again. If, uh, you know, if we got that look, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know how you, like how you draw that up. <laughs> the, the kicker is the lead blocker, and I mean he he looked all fired up and, and juice for his lead blocking assignment until Dexter Lawrence showed up. And <laughs> he, he he made a business decision on that and, 
and gave it a hard pass. Yeah, Niles, Niles Pinckney stepped up in this game. He's a redshirt sophomore. He is going to be ready to go. Uh, Xavier Thomas, freshman, right? Yeah. Yeah, Xavier Thomas, a lot of snaps in this game. Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson coaching staff sub about as much as anybody else. It was something that was pointed out to me a little bit this year, and I don't know how I'm going to track it. I suppose I'm going to have to check some participation reports during the offseason. But when, when guys' numbers get called, they're ready, and they're, they're absolutely ready. And I thought that uh, across the board, like the, the fact that the development is there, the, the development not only of just you know, a talent development standpoint, but as a player – they, they take pretty good high school players and turn them into excellent college football players. And, you know, that's culture, that's coaching. It's, uh, I thought it was on display tonight. Well, uh, I mean, they had not only that Xavier Thomas, who's a five-star defensive lineman. They have K.J. Henry, who's a five-star defensive lineman. Uh, they got Justin Maskell, who is a four-star defensive lineman like they they loaded it up in 2018 and all these guys were playing this year they just or the, they would be starting for Clemson in most years um but they Clemson just happened to have all those guys like if those guys had gone to the NFL those dudes would be starting and be playing well um so there's they are I, I'm just you know the, just in the same way that when Alabama loses a bunch of guys in the NFL we don't really sweat it because they always got guys in the cooker. I mean, Clemson's got those guys now. I know. Um, so it's not if you know if you're out there, you know, fired up because you get you know finally these defensive linemen are leaving for Clemson. I got bad news for you. They got they got some pretty good players that are just waiting their turn. Mm. <sighs> pretty good. Uh, pretty good season. I'll give it a. I'll give the bowl season like a. A B minus. I'll give the championship game a a B. You know, maybe B plus. As it's certainly one that we're going to have a lot to uh, to talk about, and one that Clemson fans are going to remember forever, and uh, and Alabama fans probably going to remember forever too. But yeah, I'll say it was pretty strong. So I'll say I'll say this as well before you know without going too far um, into our preseason predictions for next year. But like what Alabama has done, I think has really sort of forced others to raise their game now to where, look, Clemson is now like they are uh, inarguably on Alabama's level. Yes. They're a peer of Alabama. Now you've got an Ohio state team with, Ryan Day cleaning house and and uh, and getting a, a Justin Fields transfer in with the way they've recruited. Like I, I think that there's a reason to believe that they're going to be competitive with Alabama, particularly if Justin Fields is good as I think he is. Uh, Georgia, we've seen what they've done on the recruiting trail and and on the field. Uh, and then you got Oklahoma, who just hired Alex Grant as their defensive coordinator. You got Lincoln Riley. Like there, there's I think, I think that right now is a pretty cool time to be a college football fan with what is building. Because uh, this isn't to say that the dynasty is over for Alabama, but I think what they've done is they 
forced others to raise their game. And there's some teams that are creeping closer to that top tier without Alabama taking his foot off the gas. And uh, I, I think we're, we're, things are positioning to have some pretty good, uh, some, some pretty good big time matchups, heavyweight fights here in the next couple of years. Alabama found the treasure first and everyone else is starting to get there. And right when they get there, Nick Saban's going to retire. <laughs> yeah. 68 yeah. years old. I don't think he coaches past 72. And he's, I think he gets one more for sure, maybe two. And I guess he doesn't coach past 72, but like he looks, he looks younger today than he did 15 years ago. Like Nick Saban. Hey, some chestnut, some chestnut brown hair dial go a long way. Yeah, those those uh, what does he have? Little Debbie's every morning. Yeah, the little Debbie oatmeal cream pies. Little Debbie's and 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 the Weather Channel every morning. Uh, that's I can give you some good longevity. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't can't know. remember I guess, if it was in Miami. I guess we retire in four years. I just I don't know. <laughs> not betting against it. Yeah, I'm I'm not betting against an 80 year old Saban. Just he'll retire, but he will retire when he's not when he can't do it to the level he, he wants to. So who knows when that hits. We'll be interesting to follow uh, here in the next few days. Uh, all right, Barton, thank you so much for staying up. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Uh, good luck. Good luck getting done with the rest of your duties out there uh, and getting home. And uh, congratulations on another great season. We have a lot more coming, though. I'm, I, it's time to start digging into the press conferences. Uh we, we, we still got a couple more hires to get through, but uh, we got we got a lot of action here in January. No doubt. Make sure that you subscribe to the Cover 3 podcast so that you can get all of that first. Follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. All right, man.